Happy Easter. He is risen. <laughs> he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. My name is Greg. I am one of the pastors here at the church. I want to take a moment to welcome everybody, um, especially those of you who are new to the church. Maybe you're watching for the first time. Thank you for celebrating with us. Um, I just want to ask a question before we get into the message. If you could see anything or go anywhere before you die, what would you want to do? What would you want to see? I have a whole list, a bucket list of things I'd love to check off before I leave this earth. For one, I'd love to go on an Alaskan cruise. Not so much for the cruise, but I'd love to see the northern lights in person, see what that looks like. I'd love to go to Hong Kong, the place where my parents come from. I want to see the markets I always hear about. I want to eat all the good food. I hear see if there's any good stinky tofu in Hong Kong. Yeah. But I think number one on my list would be I would love to travel to the Holy Land, the land of Israel. And this has been like number one on my bucket list for a long time. Ever since I fell in love with the Word of God as a young seminary student, I'd love to go to the place where Jesus walked. And you know what I would love to see? Out of all the things that I could see in Israel, do you know what I would love to see? Nothing. Nothing at all. I told my wife I would really love to go, and she said she'd love to go too. And for some strange reason, though, when I suggested that we would go to the Holy Land for our honeymoon, uh, she wasn't so hot on the idea of going to the Holy Land for the honeymoon. I know, unspiritual, right? Like, what's wrong with her? But praise God that next week, Saturday, April 23rd, my wife and I will finally get to check off that box. We'll be leading a team of 40. Yeah, we can praise the Lord for providing an opportunity for our church to go. We'll be leading 41 people to the Holy Land. And out of all the things that I can see, I really look forward to seeing nothing. Nothing at all. See, I saw the itinerary. We're going to be able to go through the town of Nazareth, the very town that Jesus lived in. We're going to be able to take a boat and ride on the Sea of Galilee and see the waters that Jesus walked on. I can't wait because we're going to stop by the Pool of Siloam. One of my favorite messages I've ever preached was from John chapter 9 where Jesus heals a blind man right here at the Pool of Siloam. We're going to be able to see that. But out of all the things that we can see I really hope to see nothing. Can't wait till we get brought to the tomb where they believe that the body of Jesus was laid. And to walk into that place and hear the guide say something to the tune of, there's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here for the grave is empty. Jesus talked about this all the time. He taught his disciples before he left for example, Mark chapter 8, verse 31, says he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he kept saying, I'm going to die, but three days I will rise again. And so after three days, the, the women still mourning his death, they, they bring all these spices to go embalm the dead corpse, the rotting corpse of Jesus as a way to deal with the odors and to honor his body. And yet when they get there, they're freaked out. Why? What do they see? Yeah, amen. They found nothing at all. They saw nothing except an angel 
and the angel said just what you told me. He says to them in Mark chapter 16, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. I can't wait to get onto a plane and travel for hours around the globe to get to Israel to see nothing. Nothing at all, for the tomb is empty. And if that tomb truly has nothing, then that truly changes everything. For Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Let's get our hearts ready, and then we'll bring Pastor Gary out. Father God, thank you so much for everybody that you've caused to rise this morning. You've opened our eyes. You allowed our heart to beat and our lungs to breathe. So right now, God, we pray that you would open our hearts to hear this message, to see why Easter truly is a game changer, why it changes everything. Show us why it's worth celebrating and making a big deal about this. This is the greatest event in all history. So, Lord, speak to us through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Pastor Greg. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good to see all of you. Thank you so much for joining us here. All of you, even for those of you who are watching online, we're so glad that you're out there. Oh, hey, there's Pastor Councilman George Chen out here. Good to see you, Councilman. Thank you for joining us today. You know, recently um, I heard a story about a man who went to Israel, much like Pastor Greg is going to be going to Israel later on this week. But he, this man went to Israel with his wife and his mother-in-law. It's very difficult to deal with mother-in-law. And um, while they were there, something very tragic and terrible happened. The, his mother-in-law suddenly died. She just, she died uh, tragically. Um, and so now the man had to deal with how he was going to get her body back to the States. And so they met with a local mortician, and the mortician said, well, it's going to cost you about $5,000 to ship her body back to the United States. He said, however, if you would like, we can bury her here in, in Israel, uh, in the Holy Land, for about $150. And the man thought, well, that's a bargain. And so he thought about it, but he didn't think about it very long. He says, okay, you know, I'm going to ship her back. And he said, did you hear me, what, what I just told you? I said, you can save a lot of money. Well, bury her here for 150 bucks, but it's going to cost you 5000 to ship her back. Why would you want to ship her back? He said, well, a long time ago, there was a man here in Israel. He died, and he was buried, and he rose again, and three days later, and he says, I can't afford to take that chance. <laughs> well, he was right about one thing, and that is 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus, and he died and was raised from the dead. Uh, and that really did happen. And it changed everything. It changed everything. You know, few events in history fall in the category of what you would call a game changer. I mean, for example, Alexander Graham Bell's discovery of the telephone, that was definitely a game changer because he connected the world because of what he did. Another game changer was the discovery of uh, human flight by Orville and Wilbur Wright at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Uh, this is one of the most iconic photos that's ever been taken. And today you can literally fly to any part of the world within a matter of hours in some cases. I mean, it changed everything. And of course, who can leave out the contributions made by Thomas Edison who lit up the world with a light bulb? All you need to do is get a light bulb, screw it in, and you've got light. It's absolutely amazing. And then you unscrew it and then you don't have any more light. But uh, it's amazing what the, what the light bulb can do and how these things have 
changed everything. The phone, the plane, the light bulb have been game changers, but they don't compare to the greatest game changer of all, and that was the resurrection of Jesus. Easter changed everything, and I want to show you how. Now, how many of you would believe me if I told you that we had a very weird experience at our house uh, just recently? Let me describe it to you. This late at night, 2.30 in the morning, or 12.30 in the morning, um, we had this spooky, eerie, freaky object appear um, in front of our house, and it just kind of flew around um, in, in, in our front. And uh, it wasn't a person, and it wasn't a moth, and it wasn't a drone, and it wasn't a bird, and it wasn't a bat, it wasn't a raccoon. Something just kind of mysteriously appeared and floated around in front of our house. It was some type of unidentified flying object. That's what it was, a UFO. Now, here's my question for you. Do you think that what I just told you was true? Or was I, was I just faking it? Was I telling you, would I just make it up, or was it true? I'll get back to this in a second. All throughout Jesus' ministry, he made the case that he was God. He made the case that he was the Son of God, that he was God. And in fact, there were plenty of naysayers, thousands of naysayers who said, no, he's not, no, he's not. But as you may know how the story goes, he was convicted, he was eventually convicted of the crime of blasphemy for having declared that he was God. And the punishment for blasphemy is death. And so he was handed over to the Roman government and they carried out the execution that, by crucifying him on a cross. Three days later, however, he came back from the dead. And his crucifixion, or I should say his resurrection, was proof, it was proof that he was who he said he was. Let me show you what it says in Romans 1, verse 4. I like the New Living Translation, how it puts it, and it says this. And he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. He was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead. So if there, was, if there were any doubts whatsoever that Jesus was deity, the resurrection settled it. It proved that he was God. Now, going back to my story, did you believe what I said when I told you that something weird was buzzing around in front of my house? This morning, someone was here last night, the message, uh, saw the message last night, said, I didn't believe you. Well, here's the proof. It was captured on my Ring video uh, security camera, and uh, let me just show it to you, 20 seconds. Take a look at the screen. There it is. It's coming around. It's translucent. Comes by the car, brightens up, and there it is. And look at the way the thing moves. And then you'll see bugs coming down from the, on the right-hand part of the screen. So it's not a bug. There's something there. There's something there. There's something there. So what was it? We got a notification around 1230 when it showed up. But we didn't get the notification. We didn't really pay attention to the notification because we get these notifications all the time. Uh, and um, so when we finally looked at it, Cheryl said, I, she, we were both still awake, and she said, what is that? And I said, what is what? She said, take a look at this, the ring. I said, whoa, what is that? She said, that's what I said. What is that? I said, I said, you should go outside and shoo it away. She says, 
I'm not going outside. Well, I says, I'm not either. I'm in my PJs, ready to go to bed. And so uh, neither of us went, but the next evening I did go outside and I went around and I prayed around the neighbor. I, mean, I prayed around our house just to ask God whatever it was to keep it away and keep us safe. And, and we haven't seen it since. But regardless of what it was, that's really not the point. I have my, my ideas. But I wanted to show you that I have proof, right, that, that this wasn't crazy Gary come up with some, you know, concocting some crazy story about he, something he saw as some UFO, right? No, I wanted to show you the proof. I had the proof. Well, in the same way, the resurrection was a game changer because it was proof that Jesus was who he said he was, that he came, that he was the son of God. Now, and if Jesus was God, if he is God, then you can't just shrug your shoulders and say, that has no bearing on my life. You can't do that. If he was just another man, if he was just another religious leader, then, then it doesn't matter. But the resurrection proved that Jesus was God, and you can't ignore what he did. You can't ignore what he said. And that's what I did for the first 20, 20 years of my life. That's what I did. I considered myself a Buddhist because that's what my parents said we were. So I said, okay. And I assumed that Buddha was deity because when we go to the Buddhist temple, I would come before the, the altar and there was a huge golden statue there and I would bow down before it and I would chant some things and I would offer incense. I didn't know what I was doing. But I got the sense that what I was doing was bowing down before a deity. And one day, that, when I was a student at Pepperdine, I learned that Jesus was God. He came to earth as a man, died on a cross for our sins and was raised from the dead. And he was raised from the dead to prove that he was God. And for the first time, I had to decide, as a 20-year-old, I had to decide whether I was going to follow a dead man or whether I was going to follow a man that lived who was God. And I decided to follow Christ. You see, if you believe that Jesus is God, you, just, you, can't do, you can't just shrug your shoulders and do nothing about it. And so the first reason why the resurrection was a game changer was because it proved that Jesus was God. You know, earlier this week, we received uh, this heartbreaking news that one of our church family members um, in New York, Stacey Miyamoto Bouchel, lost her battle to cancer. Uh, Stacey and her now nine-year-old daughter, Sophia, started watching us two years ago online. And uh, they even taught a, a craft lesson for one of our kids' crew uh, videos uh, more than a year ago. This is, this is them right here when they're teaching and uh, I got to know Stacy through the emails that we exchanged, and she was a, a really dynamic, faith-filled lady. She, uh, she was an entrepreneur, president of her own uh, thriving company. She was part of Scott Bruckner's uh, Wednesday night Bible study. Every Wednesday night, she would, she would show up on Zoom for Scott's Bible study. Our Bible study here, West Coast time, 7 o'clock, but hers was East Coast time, so she would, she would jump in at 10 o'clock and stay up till late just studying the Bible with our gang. She did that for two years, and now she's gone, and our, our hearts just go out um, to her family. She's survived by her beloved husband, Gerald, her daughter, Sophia, obviously, and her mother, Nancy. And uh, their lives have been completely upended by this loss, and they will never be the same. And uh, by the way, if you'd like to send a card to the family, especially write a little note to Sophia, I think that will really touch their hearts. And I don't want to put their address up here for everyone to see, but if you'd like to send a card to us here at the church, we'll, we'll make sure that they get it. You know, we can't presume to know why God took Stacy home at such a young age. But I do know this. I do know this. God didn't take her because he needed her. 
You know, so you'll hear people say that sometimes. Well, God needed so-and-so, and so he took them home. No, he didn't need her there. And, and God wasn't punishing her for something she or somebody around her did. See, God isn't that cruel. The fact is we live in a fallen and broken world, and mommies and daddies die, and sometimes children die. And we don't understand that. I want to ask you, please pray for Sophia. Please pray for Gerald, and please pray for Nancy and other members of the family as they, as they deal with this unfathomable loss. You know, it's at times like these when you lose a loved one. And I know because I just lost my mom. It's, it's when you lose a loved one that you come to appreciate and become, you know, just get to be thankful for Jesus' resurrection. You know, several hundred years ago, before English explorer, soldier, poet, Sir Walter Raleigh uh, was beheaded, on the night before, he wrote a poem. He was locked up in the London Tower, and he wrote his final poem. It was found later on after he died, tucked inside his Bible. But here's what Wally, uh, Raleigh wrote on the eve of his death. And it's kind of old English, so it's kind of hard to understand. But there's one line, and it's very clear what it says. And I want to read it to you. Here's what he wrote. Even such is time that takes in trust. Our youth, our joys, and all we have. And pays us but with earth and dust. Which in the dark and silent grave, when we have wandered all our ways, shuts up the story of our days. But from this grave, this earth, this dust, dust my God shall raise me up. I trust. And of course, it's that last line, right? That really just jumps out. My God shall raise me up. I trust. Now, if you know anything about Sir Walter Raleigh's faith, his expectation that God would raise him wasn't wishful thinking. It was rooted, it was based on Scripture and Jesus' own resurrection. And here's what Scripture says about it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 14. It says, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. He raised the Lord, therefore he will raise us up, is what Paul said. And then in 2 Corinthians 4, 14, he wrote, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So because, so scripture says, because Jesus raised Christ, or because God raised Christ, Christ will also raise us. And if you're wondering how this works, let me kind of explain to you. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower, the moment you die, after you die, your soul, your soul goes straight to heaven, goes straight into the presence of God immediately. There's no waiting around. There's no waiting period. There's no intermediate state. There's no purgatory. You go straight to heaven into God's presence. Meanwhile, your body goes into the ground. You may be cremated. Some people keep the cremated remains at home for a while. You may be buried in a casket and lowered in the ground. But if you think about it, our bodies are nothing more than a shell, a container in which we live. It's a lot like this conch shell. Conch shell is a, a large sea snail. It's basically what it is, a large sea snail. And, uh, it's a, and the inside, the meat, is a delicacy, especially in the Bahamas. When I had a chance to visit the Bahamas many years ago, I actually tried it, and it's very, very good. It tastes like chicken, of course. And... Uh, when you order conch, when you go to a restaurant and order conch, they don't bring you the, the shell. No, they bring you what's on the inside. It's because it's what's on the inside that count, counts. It's, it's what's on the inside that's really the conch. The outside is just a shell. Well, our bodies the same way. Our bodies are just a shell for the real us, the real person that you are, your soul. And uh, same thing is true with people. 
Body's just a shell, right? Our souls are what matter. And when we die, our souls go straight to heaven. But, and by the way, you need to know that for those who don't want to have anything with God in this life, they also have a soul. For those who don't want to have anything with God in their lives, their soul will not go to heaven. Their soul will not go in the presence of God. Why would it if they've not wanted to have anything to do with God? Instead, the Bible says their soul will go to a place where God isn't present because that's what they elected for this life. They don't want to have anything to do with God. The Bible calls that place hell. And the worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you would go to hell. Worst thing that could happen to anybody is that, you would go, that they would go to hell. Now, here's the cool part. One day, because Jesus' body was raised from the dead, our physical bodies, our shells, will also rise out of the ground and meet the Lord in the air. And here's what Jesus said about this phenomenon, John 5, verse 25. It says, truly, truly, Jesus, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming. It is now here. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So get this, this is crazy. One day you're dead, maybe you're at Green Hills or maybe you're at Rose Hills or maybe you're in the Pacific Ocean because they scattered your ashes after you died and one day you're going to hear the voice of God, he's going to call out your name and you're going to rise and your body is going to live. That's crazy. Here's how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. He said, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Sleep is a euphemism for death. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. And that dead there refers to our bodies. Our bodies will be raised, and our bodies will become imperishable, and we will be changed. And the Greek word for that word, imperishable, means that our bodies will be uncorrupted. They will be without decay. You won't be dust. In other words, one day, our bodies will be perfect. It will be perfect. It means that one day, I'll get my six-pack. <laughs> Actually, I have a six-pack now. It's just that you can't see it because it's covered up with all this fat, right? I'll be raised imperishable. I won't have any more gray hairs. My knees won't creak. My back won't be sore. I won't ever say to Cheryl again, what did you say, dear? Because my hearing is going and my memory is beginning to fade. And when I'm raised imperishable, there won't be any cancer in me. And there won't be any COVID. There won't be any heart disease and any more Alzheimer's. We will be raised imperishable. And when our bodies are raised, our physical bodies, which are just a shell, might be dust, decomposed and decayed. When it, when it is raised, it will be reunited with our soul, which is already in heaven. And we will be able to recognize each other. It's all because of the resurrection. And for Gerald and for Sophia and for Nancy, this means that Stacy today means that she's alive. It means that she's alive. And one day we will all see her again. And is there anything more important than that? Is there, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you as a parent, there is nothing more important to me than that one day I'll see my children in heaven. And I want to see all of you. I want us to be together. See, the resurrection changed everything. It changed everything. You know, a little more than a month ago, we became friends with Dr. Igor Yeremchuk and his lovely wife, Lena. I've been telling you a little bit about them. Pastor Igor is the pastor of an 800-member church in Irpin, Ukraine, just outside of Kiev. 
and he is the president of the Irpin Biblical Seminary there in Irpin, uh, which has got a student body of which has a student body of 800 men and women. That he is training um, to go in the ministry. It is probably probably the largest uh, church in the area in Eastern Europe, and they have a tremendous influence on a lot of people. Here's a photo of one of their gra- of their recent graduating class of one of their recent graduating classes. And you can see the seminary building in the background. It's a very sharp-looking building, and it's a sharp-looking class. Well, two weeks ago, we had the opportunity to meet uh, Pastor Igor and Lena. And I, and I want you to keep looking at that picture, I want, especially the building. Uh, we had a chance to meet Pastor Igor and Lena in person when we handed them the keys to a car that belongs to a young couple in our church who are letting them use that car while they're here in Southern California. You know, life was good for them. Life was good for the Uremchuks until the Russians invaded their country on February the 24th. And then everything changed. It all changed. Today, their seminary lies in ruins from Russian bombs and artillery shells. Here's that same building that the graduates stood in front of. That's what it looks like today. Here's what it looks like from the side. Here's a before and after picture of the seminary, what it looks like today. This is what's left of his office. With only a moment's notice, Pastor Igor and Lena had to flee Irpin with nothing more than the clothes on their back. They didn't even have time to go back to their home to collect their belongings, pack a suitcase, and say, you need to get out of here. No, you need to get out of here now. You need to leave now because they're coming. Fortunately, they made their way to SoCal by way of Warsaw because their daughter happens to live here out, out in the Valencia area. And it's unbelievable what they have been through. It will... It will blow your minds. Even, even how they got here will blow your minds. And by the way, they're going to be here in two weeks. They'll be here in two weeks. We were hoping to get them next week. But what happened was next week is their Easter celebration. And so he is meeting with this scattered church online. They all log in. And then he's going to teach them an Easter lesson. They're going to have Easter services online. And, um, and so he can't do it next week. But they'll be back next week, the week after, two weeks for all three services, you're going to hear from both of them. And I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. I, I can tell you, because I know this story, you, you don't want to miss it. And so uh, be here for that. You know, when Pastor Igor asked me if our church would help them rebuild their seminary, sent teams to help rebuild, I told him, because I knew you would want me to tell him this, I, I told him, absolutely yes, we will go. We will send teams to your church, and we will help any in your seminary. We'll help any way we can. The other day, I asked Pastor Igor what the resurrection of Christ meant to him, and here's here's how he replied. "Quote," he said, "Our seminary existed for thirty years, but just one month ago was destroyed by Russians. However, we believe that the seminary is not a building; it's people. It's our students and staff." We believe that when the war is over, God will help us to build a new seminary better than we had before. It's a picture of resurrection. People destroyed the body of Christ, but God resurrected his son from the grave and gave him a new body better than he had before. The same thing will be with Christians at the rapture. God will resurrect all of us and will give us new bodies better than we had before because whatever God is doing, he's not doing just good, but very good, or in other words, excellent. You know, when I read his response, it made me wonder how it is that Igor and Lena can be so full of optimism and hope after all that they've seen in the last month and a half or so. 
They've seen more death and, and destruction in the last month than I hope we will ever see in our lifetime. Um, I won't tell you the, some of the stories, but we'll, we'll have them tell you in just a couple weeks. And yet they are, they are undaunted. They're undaunted. Their faith is stronger than ever. As we sat there in my office chatting, you could see that there was a gleam in their eye. There was a joy in their hearts. They are full of hope in the face of insurmountable odds. You know, so often when people face adversity, they become undone, right? They become undone. Uh, they, they can become so overwhelmed to the point of paralysis. Some people just give up altogether. They just, they can't make it. And I get it because trials are hard. That's why it's called a trial. And trials can lead to discouragement, can lead to depression. Sometimes it leads to divorce. Sometimes it leads to death by suicide. And we've seen some of that during this pandemic. But how is it that Igor and Lena keep going on? I'll tell you how. The, the reason why they keep going on is because the source of their power is not human. Did you get that? The source of their power is not human. The source of their power is divine. The source of their power is God. Here's, you know, in a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, here's part of what he prayed. He prayed for them, and here's part of what he prayed. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 18. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. And here's the part I want you to get, right? And then he goes on, verse 19. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. I want you to understand his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. See, Paul prayed that the church would understand that God had given them a divine power to live their lives, to get it, to make it through this life. And, th and that power that he gave them was the same power that he used to raise Christ from the dead. In other words, he gave them a, not a human power, but he gave them a resurrection power. And that means that we have that power. That power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. It is working in us. And it is no wonder then that Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13, and you may be familiar with this verse, Paul wrote, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do what? All things. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And this means that you can resist any temptation that comes against you because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This means you can love somebody who is absolutely impossible to love because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This means you can overcome any addiction because you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. This means you can survive the loss of a loved one because you can do all things. This means that you can survive the toughest trial, the toughest trial you've ever faced, whether it's health-related or whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's emotional, it doesn't matter. You can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength because he gives us his power, the same power that rose Christ from the dead. And this is the power that fuels Pastor Igor and Lena. So I want to ask you, whose power are you relying on to get through today and to get through tomorrow and to get through next week and the week after that and the month after that and the year after that and the year after that? Whose power are you relying on? I don't know about you, but my power 
isn't strong enough to get me through this life. It isn't. Because life is hard. Life is full of challenges. And if ever we needed to hear that, it's today because life is hard today. And when you think, just when you think you've, you've gotten to the next place, you're, you're okay, and then something else happens, and something else hits you, and it just goes on and on. I mean, just a few weeks ago, you may know I, I had lung cancer several years ago, and so I've been getting my CT scans every six months, and, and, and they've been clear, all, all been clear, and this last one was clear, but this last CT scan picked up something in my thyroid. And so the doc said, hey, you got something in your thyroid. We should get an ultrasound. So we got an ultrasound. He says, yeah, well, there, there's something there. So, so I'm going to have a biopsy tomorrow. It may be cancer. I don't know. But all I can tell you is, you know, with God's power, yeah, this is a piece of cake. I mean, it's not a piece of cake, and I'm not looking forward to this. Right? A couple of you came up to me and said, oh, it's really horrible. It's really hard. Oh, thanks a lot for telling me. Right? <laughs> but, hey, I've got God's power. Right? And if I was just relying on myself... I couldn't do this. So how are you going to get through it? What about you? Do you need God's power? The truth is, we need him so desperately. I want to close by telling you a story about Mike and Nancy. Mike and Nancy come to our church. Um, they met in college. After they graduated from college, Mike went on, became an engineer, got a job as an engineer, Nancy, Got a, teach, a job as a school teacher in the Cypress School District, I believe. And they're just like you and me. Really neat people. Just, you know, working hard, making ends meet, raising a family, that whole, just like us. And then one day, they came to the realization that there were people all over the world who didn't know what they knew, that Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead just for them. And that meant that they didn't have that opportunity to live forever, to be raised to new life. And they didn't have the opportunity to experience the power of God in their lives to get through all this stuff that we have to face. And that was not okay for Mike and Nancy. So after praying on it, they decided to quit their jobs, engineer, teacher, pack up their bags, and with their two-year-old daughter in tow, Abigail, they moved to a part of the world where people have never heard about Jesus. They just said, we got to go. For security purposes, I can't tell you where they went exactly, but it's a very mountainous region in the world where the average elevation is 10,000 feet. People are semi-nomadic. Their beliefs are animistic, which means they worship demons and mountain gods and a hybrid form of Buddhism. See, see, Mike and Nancy just couldn't shrug off the resurrection and say, well, hey, that doesn't concern us. They don't know. It's too bad. They said, we have to do something about it. They couldn't shrug it off. And neither can we. We can't shrug it off. If you believe Jesus was God, if you believe that he died on a cross for your sins and was raised from the dead, then you can't just walk in here and walk out the same person you were when you walked in. You can't walk in here and walk out and say, I'll see you next Easter. Or I'll see you at Christmas. You can't do that. It's got to change you. And you got to live like you believe that Christ died and rose from the dead. And you got to live it every single day. And you got to tell others. And by the way, I was so 
blown away by Mike's story that I asked Mike and Nancy to come back next week. And so they're going to come back next week. So the next two weeks are going to be really special here. I kind of look at it as a follow-up to, to the resurrection uh, about how we live our lives. And they're going to be back here next week to share their riveting story. And they're going to tell you what it was like out there. And uh, they were out there for 10 years. And they saw some things that will just blow you away. So come back for that. And that means we're going to take a short pause from our What We Believe series. But we'll get back, get back to that in three weeks. But the resurrection was a game changer. It changed the world unlike anything has ever changed the world. And the only question is this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Here's what I hope you'll do. First, if you've never told God that you believe in him, tell him. Because, because he even gave us the proof in his son. He raised him from the dead. And yeah, you have to accept that by faith, right? Just like we accept by faith every single day that the vaccine is going to work or that the sun is going to rise or that the weather's going to be okay. We, we accept things by faith all the time. Don't shrug them off any longer. Tell them you believe. I believe that Jesus was your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead. And, and when you say that to him, your sins will be forgiven and you will, you will be given a new life and you will be given the gift of eternal life so that one day you will live forever and ever in heaven. Second, if you already believe, if you already pray that prayer, then I would say to you, live like it. Just live like it. Don't be a Christ follower name only. Don't just show up at church on Christmas and Easter. Take God seriously. Follow him with everything you have because Christ died for you and rose again. And make it your mission in life to tell others what Jesus did for you so that they too will go to heaven, so that they too will have the power of God to live their lives. Amen? All right, let's close our time in prayer. As you close your eyes and bow your heads, as you think about what you just heard, I go back to that question. So what will you do about it? What will you do about Easter? Well, first, as I said, if you've never told God that you believe in him, and that you believe Jesus was his son, I want to invite you to tell him right now. You don't need to stand up. You don't need to wave your hand. You don't need to, you don't need to raise your hands or come forward. Just tell them right now, wherever you're at. Maybe you're listening to this message driving in the car. Maybe you're outside under the tent. Or maybe you're here in this worship room. Say to him something like this, Dear God, I believe in you. I believe that you're real. I don't know a lot about you, but I believe, I accept by faith that you're real, and I accept by faith that Jesus was your son and that he died on a cross for my sins. And you raised him from the dead, proving that he was who he said he was. I give you my life. Help me to walk by faith. Help me to become the person you want me to be. Say that to him. And your sins will be forgiven. And you will be given the gift of eternal life right now. And then if you've believed for a long, long time, but you've just kind of been wishy-washy about your faith. You've been a Easter Christian only or Christmas only kind of a Christian. Tell him today. Say this to him. God, 
I want to renew my commitment to you today. Help me from this day forward to take you seriously, to walk with you, to tell others about you, to serve you, to endeavor to get to know you better and better because you are God and there's no one like you. Will you tell him that? I hope you will. Father, thank you for Easter, the game changer. Changed everything. And it changed everything for us because it proved that Jesus wasn't some fake, some fanatic, some fairy tale, but he was God. And he died and he rose. And that means we get to be forgiven of our sins. That means we get to enjoy eternal life. That means we get to have your power in our lives to get through all this junk that we have to face every single day. Thank you for Easter, Lord. And Lord, as we close our time, our thoughts, our prayers are with Gerald, with Sophia, with Nancy. Will you touch them? Will you surround them with your love? Father, will you encourage them with the hope of eternal life that Stacy has, that they'll be together one day. So thank you, Father. We love you. Thank you for Easter. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.